0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, everybody. Welcome to another episode in season two of the Tub Hub. If this is the first time you're tuning in, my name is Corey Wharton Malcolm, AKA BitBeefy, and I am your host. Once again, if this is the first time you're tuning into this, this podcast is all about the word help. I explore with my guests, The word help. When do they ask for help? How do they ask for help? Why do they ask for help? Who do they ask for help? How does helping others make them feel? Obviously, because of the times that we are in, we can't not discuss COVID. We can't not discuss racism, George Floyd, equality. The list is endless. But as usual, I have spoken far too much. Um, I would like to introduce our next awesome guest. Leon, are you there, sir?
1: I am indeed. Thank you for having me, dude. Thank you for having me on.
0: No problem at all, man. Um, so, Leon, <laughs> tell, tell everybody who you are. Like, what do you uh, do?
1: My name's Leon Cerrone. I'm 38. Uh, I work for Richard James on Savile Row, and I guess I'd say I'm an adopted Londoner. Um, after being in here, uh, being down here for about twelve years, uh, originally from Birmingham. If you can't already tell from my accent, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wicked dude. Um, and how long have you been working in
1: or on Savile Row? So I've been with Richard James for about three years now. Oh. Um, in retail since I was sixteen.
0: Um, and just in case, we have. Um, uh, global audience who don't know what any of those brands or places are. Could you explain what that is, where it is? What do you do?
1: So Savile Row, um, for people that don't know, is what they say the home of Taylor <coughs> and really it's where the suit was um kind of invented. You can hear my dog barking in the background. <laughs> quality. In a <laughs> um, that's all right, that's me So yeah. It's add layers the, um, to the show the home of the suits um and richard james has been around for 20 25 plus years now uh-huh. um and i guess you'd say they're one of the still one of the new boys on the row um, one of the youngsters that haven't been around for 200 years like the likes of geese and Hawks. so uh, they were one of the kind of first to break the rules really from the traditional suit 20 odd years ago so that's a bit about the the company and where i am at the at the moment
0: and and could, like i'm i'm intrigued and interested now um what is when you say break the norm and move away from the traditional suit like how how would one do that
1: oh, Well, back in the day suiting was very plain there was nothing you know uh, very exaggerated being done so i guess richard richard and sean who started the brand were you know with trendsetters they opened on a saturday which was unheard of you know most shops oh, wow. shut up shop on a on a friday afternoon and be in the pub at three o'clock so opening on a saturday was unheard of the colors and the fabrics they were using were, were out there you know they were that they were one of the ones to to push the boundaries of ready to wear suiting because Savile row was all about bespoke and having your suits made you know from scratch with a head cutter and they really push the boundaries of ready to wear and, and getting people into that so um and they're still still breaking the norm now bright pink suits double breasted pleated trousers and um stuff like that so we, we try not to be too conventional when it comes to suiting.
0: dude that is amazing and i'm smiling <laughs> and the reason why i'm smiling is one of the reasons one of the many reasons i love doing this this podcast in a bath is I learn so much about things that I may not necessarily have any idea about or, or much knowledge about. So thank you for sharing that dude. Not a um, so how did our paths cross?
1: Um, we, our paths crossed through, through, well through from my girlfriend, who's now my fiance and, and me. Nah. Uh, yes. Dating Jess and, um, I'd started following you anyway through running um, and then I think, you know, our pass crossed a bit more when I started to go and watch uh, some of the races that Jess was participating in and obviously the Track Mafia connection that you guys have. Um, so that's that's how our, um, you know, pass crossed.
0: Wicked. Um because I remember, once again, even before we knew each other, I remember bumping into you in loads of like random, and when I say random places, I mean like the the athlete hotel for London Marathon, the morning. Yes. <laughs> yep. Like really random stuff like that. Like I'm walking towards the, the, what's it called? The, not the till, like the reception area. And I saw you, and I remember waving, and you said hello. We both said hello, and I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I know this guy from somewhere. Um, And we just kept bumping into each other like that. So it's nice to to be in the tub to to hear more about you, dude. Um, So you obviously know what this podcast is about. Um, It's about exploring the word help. Um, So I'm just going to crack straight in. And that is, what do you think about the, the word help, dude? And do you
1: ask for it? Um, I mean, help is an amazing word and I ask for it quite a lot. I mean, if anyone goes and follows my Instagram after, you know, listening to this, um, I suffer with depression and, I, and I've done a lot of work around it, especially lately. And, um, you know, one of the things that has, has helped me so much is asking for help and reaching out. So that word has a um if this makes sense a special meaning or you know is very important to me just because it's helped me get over um, and still helps me get over some of the darkest times that i go through you know as, as somebody who suffers with depression
0: thank you and like do because of how you have shared how you ask for help do do people come and ask
1: you for help I, I do get messages quite a lot um i mean i did something with mr Porter for their health in mind campaign and, and did a little film about my struggle and and um you know how i've dealt with depression and i still have a lot of people message off the back of that and just for bits of advice or even just to say thank you and, and that it's helped them so it's it's very humbling and um you know I, I, i'm not a therapist and i'm so I, I, give my, I give my little, you know, I give help them as much as I can, but I'm, you know, I'm not trained in it and I can only say what's helped me. But yeah, I do try and reach out if anybody reaches out to me and, you know, and, and just tell them to keep on keeping on and, and go and ask for help and, and go and see someone. So I, I, I do try and reach out as much as possible.
0: Um, and do you think things like
1: therapy help? A hundred percent. It was, you know, it was one of the small pieces in a in a big puzzle that, that, that helped me, you know, once I admitted that I needed to go and see somebody, you know, therapy was just one of the small pieces. Um, but I wouldn't say small, it was quite a big piece of a, of a jigsaw puzzle, you know, that, that has helped me learn how to deal with my depression and when things get a bit rough. Um, and I still do see, still see someone now and um, not weekly, but if I'm struggling, I still and speak to somebody and you know, I've got Jess, my fiance, who um my lean on as well, and friends. So speaking has definitely helped me.
0: And like how has it been not just like depression, but how has it been during
1: COVID? Uh I've definitely had some ups and downs. Um uh-huh. you know, the longer COVID went on and, and not seeing be able to see friends and um you know we both run and, and r- the running community is big so not being able to go on those big you know runs with high gate harriers who i run with and you know yourself doing the track mafia thing on a thursday when you'd get i don't know 50 60 people there probably <laughs> yeah. on the track at some rec- you know not yeah. being able to do that is um you know those things have, have played heavy and um Cause I do enjoy talking to, to people you know and not being able to have that connection has has made things a bit rough during Covid but um you know we deal with it the best we can i zoom chats and seeing people when we can and, and stuff like that and, and obeying the rule of six that we have to now you know <laughs> yes
0: and like how has that how is, how has it affected work um as in like how has it affected that industry? how has it affected the the business that you work with
1: i mean we've seen a massive you know decrease in footfall. the internet has um has picked up, but yeah, definitely the footfall in towns for us has, has dropped off certain parts of central London still look busy but um you know sixty five thousand weddings have been postponed or cancelled this oh, year wow it's a massive massive chunk of our you know business me and Jess should have got married this year, we've postponed to next year, so um, those three months that we were in lockdown is a, is a massive time for us business-wise, so yeah. um, it has affected it, but things are, things are steady and the ship is steady. And so I think uh, much like everybody else, we just have to batten down the hatches and, and do the best we can to get through it and hopefully by spring we'll kind of be oof, somewhere <laughs> heading in the right direction, but um who knows you got to keep the faith right and try and stay optimistic
0: um and and what is it like um working in your industry um there's obviously been a lot of discussion worldwide in in all industries about racism off the back of george floyd brianna taylor and a, a number of other injustices um so like all of my guests i'm asking have have you ever faced like racism in your industry? Is it a problem or is it not affected?
1: Um, I wouldn't say I've had it personally, but I've I've been around it and heard things and, uh, you know, I've worked in retail since I was 16 and, you know, I've had managers look at me and tell me to follow a certain demographic around the shop, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And, and then they wouldn't do it to, you know, another person to come in the shop and and I think the listeners will probably understand who I'm talking about when they tell me (laughs) you know as soon as a certain person would walk in the shop it'd be like can you keep your eye on them and obviously being of you know mixed heritage myself West Indian, Italian and and English I I always felt that that was you know just a wrong thing (laughs) in all senses to to kind of do so Um, yeah I've definitely not um, it's never stuck me, um, you know, progressing in a way, but yeah, I've definitely felt it in different areas of, um, of the workplace, that's for sure.
0: Many of the industries that we are engaged with or involved with, they have come out with some kind of message about race and about racism. Like, has there been anything like that? Not necessarily from, from your shop, but from your industry.
1: Um, we, um, as, as Richard James, we did post and we were very vocal on the, you know, the Black Lives Matter subject. And we do have a lot of, um, you know, there's myself and there's other members of staff of, uh, you know, of mixed heritage and, and stuff. So we've always supported that and and, and been for it. And to be honest, Summer row has, um, has a very mixed, um, you know, a very, how do I? <laughs> I don't there's loads of different, you know, colours, creeds, races yeah. at work on Savile Row. So I don't think back in the day it was probably a lot different back in the 80s. But now, you know, you've got Oswald Boating, and you know, you've got the Allen brothers, and you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of people down there. So Savile Row is definitely um, is definitely a good place to work, and most people do support the whole movement and um, most of the tailors along there have spoken, spoken up and, um, you know, supported the Black Lives Matter movement. So I think Savile Row is definitely heading in the right direction.
0: Awesome. And that is a, a beautiful
1: advert for equality
0: and diversity. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to me about your running and cycling, Leon, as, as these are two things that whether
1: you may fess up to it or not, you take pretty seriously. Yes, I mean cycling was um was kind of my first love, if that 's the right word um, yeah. and I ended up having um quite a bad accident about two and a half years ago, and basically shattered my left arm in about six places um, which kind of led me onto my uh, my running journey because i couldn 't obviously ride a bike for a long time, yeah signed up to the happy half. Hey. Um, what and risk. yeah, fed, you know, fell in love with running. Um, thought I'd literally train for Hackney, hate it, throw away the running shoes once I could <laughs> ride the bike again. Um, and you know, for two and a half years, didn't really touch the bike. Just went, you know, headfirst into running, and and um, yeah, loved it, and met a load of um, amazing people through it. You know, so um, running is a massive part of my life now. Um, and met when Jess did through it. You-
0: When did you start cycling?
1: Like, when when was the initial get into it? So, I started cycling about 2011. So, I bought a bike to do a charity ride, which never materialised. So, I had this fancy road bike. So, I just commuted on it for a bit. Uh And obviously, like many people, got caught up in the Wiggins, um, you know, Tour de France Olympic fury and hype in 2012 uh-huh. um and again yeah just kind of fell in love with riding my bike was lucky enough to meet a few people who kind of took me under their wing and, and showed me the showed me the ropes and instead of just riding around in circles around regents park i ended up getting taken out to essex and surrey and kent and Hertfordshire, and yeah fell in love with it and that and that was kind of uh, that was my route into, into bike riding
0: wicked um, so sorry, I interrupted you before. Um, you said you met uh, Jess through
1: running. Well, I did. Yeah, we met through a, a mutual friend um, that you know as well, Kieran. Um, ah, yes. We were all all connected via running, and um, yeah, that was that was that was kind of it. And two years down the line, engaged to be married, and, and we we have a dog. So yeah, that's down but that down to running. Wicked. Um, and what's the dog called? Daisy, <laughs> Daisy, who who you have met when you I bumped into you doing your uh, workout with Harry? Yes, <laughs> you did meet that meet met Daisy Doug. Uh,
0: that was hilarious. We were doing a, a socially distanced um, hit. We had like dumbbells in his uh, in his front garden, and just going for it. And you went past, and I was like, I, I swear, that's Leon. Like, And uh, yeah, Yeah. you you had the dog in in the basket, which is absolutely legendary, by the way. Whenever I see dogs in baskets just cycling, um, especially like when you're in places like Amsterdam and they've got like the weird seat stand, and like the dog is up on the top of it with its nose at the top, like it thinks it's in Titanic. Um, (laughs) That is especially amusing um
1: so she's yeah. very uh she she does like the basket now she's used to it and she just watches the world go why she's uh she's a big fan of uh getting peddled along now
0: brilliant um so dude thank you very much for for joining me in the tub um i guess there's one more question and that is do you have a question for me
1: what started you running on your journey and how did you you know, fall in love with it, what was the one run that probably made you go, well, that is it, I'm in love with running? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, probably the 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 one run that, like, I really, really fell in love with running was um, I used to do a, a Royal Parks loop. Um, so I would run from City Hall in Victoria, not the one by uh, Tower Hill, um, run from City Hall there, run um, like through the gate onto birdcage Walk, So like the finish line of London Marathon, and then I would run through Green Park, then Hyde Park, and so on. Um, So I was running through Green Park, and it was one of those like really chilly autumn nights, um, still quite bright, um, and it just started hammering it down with rain. And like, there was this awful headwind and for some strange reason, I got, like, I was gassed to be like running in this, what I presumed to be a tornado. Um, So, like, I just (laughs) felt like Superman, Um, like, I genuinely felt like I was in this, this like tornado movie, but at the same time, it was just beautiful. So I looked around and it felt like it was just me. And you know, when you're in Green Park, when you're in a particular part of it, when you look around because of the trees, you can't actually see London. Yeah. So it looks like you're, you're in the woods. So I'm in my head, I'm, I'm in the woods by myself in a tornado, bossing it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> like I picked up the pace and then I just zoned out. And when I say zoned out, as in like, I was obviously still there, but you kind of hit this, whatever people refer to as runners high, or you just find this beautiful balance or equilibrium in your body where it feels like you're floating, um, like you can run forever. And yeah. So when I hit that point or that moment, I don't know how long it lasted for. but I literally felt like I was in a movie and I was like, wow, so how do I, so what did I do there then? And you try and recreate it in your head. And what happens when you try and recreate it in your head, that then just gives you a goal for near on, not every single run, but you're constantly searching for that, that bit of peace or that bit of like enjoyment. So, like, that's kind of when I fell in love with the run because my body made me feel superhuman.
1: Um, yeah, then. I think, that's, that was, uh, I think that's the best way I've heard everybody, anybody explain a, the runner's high. I've tried to explain <laughs> it to people before, and I can never quite... But I think you just nailed it, dude. I think that's the best explanation for what runner's high feels like, that's for sure.
0: Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's when that's when I fell in love. Um, and yeah similar to yourself you try and tell people about that and they just look at you like you're odd <laughs> they're like what are you talking about so it felt so you got where hey eh? how do you do that and when you talk to them they're like I don't get there because I don't like it's not hurt yourself it's more you can embrace discomfort and a certain amount of pain without it being like addictive or sadistic it's more you learn how to manage like discomfort in your legs and I say this to people a lot that you can go for runs and you'll get fitter but if you want to get faster, you have to learn how to deal with a little bit of that pain that, that comes it. with with pushing yourself.
1: Um, get, get, and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable.
0: Exactly. Right. You're not. You're not going to get to the the promised land to meet the care bears if you're not if you're not willing <laughs> to push a little bit harder. Um, so yeah, that's that's why that's that's when it happened, dude amazing um so where can people find out more about you dude
1: um if they really want to see lots of um daisy pictures they can um (laughs) go onto my instagram which is just leon underscore cerrone um and they will see yeah uh, the dog sitting in the basket with probably a different theme string or soundtrack every day as we ride to work because she is Fantastic. the official Richard James mascot so she is a staff <laughs> dog herself. Um, so, yeah, Has Daisy weird. got a suit? You know what, it's actually funny you should say that. I've been there for three years um, and managing the store for a year and a half, nearly two years. Uh-huh. I'm yet to have a bespoke suit and they keep nagging me to make Daisy a bespoke jacket. Yeah. Uh, she's only been there since lockdown, so uh, <laughs> she, she, she's getting a bespoke piece of clothing before the manager is. So, you know, maybe I need to have a word when I go back to work on Monday and say I should get one first. But yes, yeah, she, she will have a bespoke piece of Savile Row clothing before I will.
0: Dude, So I know we said we finished, but how much are these suits? Uh,
1: uh, if so, if ready to wear, you're probably looking at about 800 to start. Uh-huh. I mean, and then bespoke—you're you're kind of looking at five thousand pounds to start for a bespoke. Fantastic for a bespoke suit. So yeah,
0: that's amazing. I might come down I mean, and look through the window. Yeah,
1: <laughs> mate, you're more than welcome <laughs> to do more than look through the window. You should—you should definitely come down and, and, and check it yeah, out. Uh, I love it. Uh, an honour to, to have you in, mate, and show you around.
0: I, I do you know what, mate? I'm gonna, I'm gonna come down and uh, and pay you a visit. Um, but sadly, um, I would not be able to invest in a, a, five, a five grand suit today. Not today.
1: <laughs> Maybe in a
0: couple of weeks, not today. Uh,
1: you come and see me in a couple of weeks, Then <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: good, dude. Thank you very much. Um, you've been an amazing guest.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Um, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, um, I will see you. In Final Thoughts, and we are back. Welcome to Final Thoughts. It's me, Bit Beefy. And you've been listening to the tub hub another awesome episode, but this time with man like Leon Soroni, like first and foremost, thank you all for firstly listening and secondly coming back for final thoughts, but like a big thank you to to leon for for coming on the tub hub and joining me in the tub. Like, thank you for sharing your story, dude. It's, I think it's a, an important story that, I mean, it's obviously been shared and and many, many people already know about it, but... I think more people need to hear. I think more people need to hear how important it is to be there for each other. I think more people need to hear how important it is to to pick up the phone, to answer the phone... To like genuinely care about people's health and well-being Because we spoke a lot about depression Uh, We spoke a lot about mental health We spoke a lot about support networks We spoke a lot about There not being a magic pill or just one answer It's uh, a number of answers that work collectively to, To help people get through tough times and that's what I don't think people seem to realise. The importance of sport. The importance of running, cycling, cardio, exercise. Like, right? the importance of, of getting out there and putting your body through something. Well, that doesn't have to be, like, vigorous or strenuous. <laughs> Just enough to make you feel alive. Um, and I think like we all need to do more to be there. Um, and that's kinda my piece. Just think about it. Pick up the phone. Phone someone you haven't spoken to. Ask them walk one.